When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. When it comes to a thriving career, everyone could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. At LHH, we're committed to personalized support, insights, and resources that lead to more job opportunities. No matter what role a professional has in your organization, our services offer an experience that fits each individual. And for organizations, LHH provides consultative support and guidance through the entire outplacement or career transition process. It's outplacement reimagined. Visit LHHtalent.com today. John's got some time off. A well-deserved vacation. I don't know. Some time off. He actually hadn't taken, I think, more than one day at a stretch the entire year. So it was due. I'm here. Deborah Marcus over there in the little news booth or whatever the room looks like now. I don't even have any idea. Is it a news booth, a news center, a news? It's a little bigger than the news closet, but there are no windows. So it's a... It's a little dreary in here. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, because in the, the old setup, you could see through our windows across the room. No, now I'm room. only looking at Eric right now on a screen. <laughs> Although without John sitting in his chair, I can see out the window in his studio. So it's kind there of a nice go. view. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. That's vicarious. That might do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we got a chance for money uh, every hour on the show today. This just came back yesterday or the day before. Uh, you have a chance to win 1000 bucks with that keyword. <clears throat> the one thing I want to point out is that you should listen carefully to the instructions from the big-voiced announcer. You do not send a keyword to the John and Ken email. That does not work. Uh, five people tried that yesterday and like during the 5 o'clock hour, and I was confused at first. And I'm looking at these emails, and it's just their one word. I'm like, oh, that's right. People think now. You follow the directions at the KFIAM640.com website. You'll just scroll down. You'll see the link. 
And that's where you send the keyword in. But you got to wait for the word. It's coming up at about uh, 20 after. So I see your lead story was the same one I was going to talk to you about because anytime it involves the death of animals, Deborah Mark is like, we're going to put that front and center because oh, yeah. that's a tragedy above all tragedies. Well, this is really a tragedy. Yeah, I, I woke up at, what is it, 3 or 4 a.m. and I saw the lightning outside my windows and I said, well, they did say this might come. I didn't hear any thunder. Oh, I did. I was actually going to text you because I started hearing all that at 5.30 and I wanted to tell you we got thunder, lightning, and rain, all three at my place. Yeah, I got a nice shower. I went out running and got a nice shower hit me for just about a minute or two. It was actually pretty heavy and pretty bizarre because it's, it's like we were talking about yesterday at this time. This is some sort of monsoonal weather front that comes in. We I think we saw something like this last summer. Storms probably way out in the Pacific kind of kick up. And, and cause this weather pattern to hold for a few days. But the uh, the tough story is that apparently about 9 a.m. in uh, Pico Rivera, which is uh, southeast of downtown Los Angeles, about 15 miles of that neighborhood, she was out walking her dog, says around 9 a.m. as uh, a path near a riverbed at Mines and Rimbank Avenues. And they believe that all three of them were struck by lightning because I had heard there was like an indentation in the ground that indicate that's probably where the lightning strike yeah. hit and probably went right through them, all three of them, the woman and her two dogs, and just took her down. She was just found lying there. Actually, the shot I saw on one of the local TV news stations, the, the body was still there. It was kind of weird. They had it sort of mostly covered, but I saw her hand hanging out. Oh, God. Isn't that weird? Yeah, uh, it is. I, I mean, uh, the likelihood of this happening is so small. It's low. And... <laughs> If there is lightning in the area and you don't go outside, you've reduced the likelihood significantly. Um, not that that didn't stop me, although I think the lightning stopped by the time I went out, like after 6 a.m., but there was some passing through earlier. The National Weather Service storm data says that the U.S. averages 43 reported lightning deaths per year over the last 30 years. That's probably higher than I thought. Yeah. Uh, just in this country, 43 people are killed uh, on average every year. The annual average was 27 fatalities in the last 10 years or so, 2009 to 2019. And if you are struck by lightning, only about 10% of people actually are killed by it. A lot of people, particularly golfers, remember this all the time. I remember reading about golfers. I think there was one famous golfer, uh, Lee Trevino, I think his name was, or one of, he was struck by lightning numerous times because you're out there with a metal club on the open <laughs> golf course and it's, uh, that acts as like a lightning rod. <sighs> but you know, golfers like most guys are, eh, I'll tough it out. So what? It's a little storm passing through. You're not going to stop me from playing. The odds of being struck by lightning in a given year are pretty much like winning the lottery. Uh, <laughs> One in one hundred and one million two hundred twenty thousand. I'd rather win the lottery. Thank you very much. The odds of being struck in your lifetime, though, one in fifteen thousand three hundred, which seems significantly lower. But if you live for eighty or ninety years, that would be the average. If the average is only one in a million something per year, but uh, it says here there were thirty-seven hundred lightning strikes recorded in the Southern California region overnight. And as you know, the, the fear is that that can kick up fire. Yes. And that's something I think there was a couple of small fires that started. This is what created havoc a few years back up north in the forests. Remember all the, oh, they yeah. called them the complex fires? 
Those were started mostly by lightning. And it's so friggin' hot outside, too. It's muggy, right? Yes. Yeah, it's muggy. That's that's the condition this humidity brings. And uh, so is this supposed to pass by the end of the day? Is that Yeah, right? well, we still there's still a chance of rain on and off for the rest of the day and tonight. And then in some areas tomorrow, there's a 20% chance of rain. We still have the high heat. But, but they're not talking about any more lightning? No. Or are they? No, no just uh, possible showers. You know, I was on a plane coming coming to L.A. from Costa Rica, and our plane was hit by lightning. That was How about pretty that? scary. You knew it when it oh, happened? Oh, yeah, I saw it. I was sitting by the window seat. I couldn't believe it. What was it? Uh, did it jolt the plane? Yeah. Or was there damage? Or? No, there wasn't any damage as, as far as I know. But all of us, we were, a lot of us on the plane, I shouldn't say all of us, we, we were all freaked out. And... Uh, the pilot didn't get on the intercom to say anything. So I remember we asked a flight attendant, and the flight attendant said, yeah, you know, that happens. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, never yeah. happened to me before. That was pretty scary. They don't want to make a big deal of it ever because you may not fly again. I know. If you think that you're uh, you're going to get uh, struck by lightning when you're on a plane. Yeah. I don't know if that's any safe or unsafe. But... I don't know. It was, uh, it was terrifying. All right. They say, you know, if you're in a car, stay in your car because it could help ground you. The tires could help ground the car a bit. I mean, the worst thing to do is to be out in the open. Yeah. That's the serious problem. Lightning will strike the highest point. So if you're the tallest thing walking along, like unfortunately this woman probably was with her dogs along this path, and I saw it. It was not exactly tree-lined. There was just some grass around. That's probably the, the highest point. Uh, it says, especially if you're hiking, camping, boating, fishing, golfing, swimming, or doing yard work. Take extra caution and make sure you get out of the water and get off the water if anything like this happens to you. All right. Well, story number two for you, Deborah Mark, and I know this will be dear to your heart. Uh, last weekend, I had a visit with one of my uh, siblings, a sister who came from Texas to California because her daughter is going to take some college classes. Mm hmm. And I found out last night that uh, upon her return, she tested positive oh. for COVID. I'm like, I spent the whole day oh, with you. Oh, no. How are you feeling, Ken? Uh, oh, I'm fine. I, you going to get I tested? Thought... You going to get the stick up your nose? Well, I did the home test. Oh, th you know, those are so unreliable. Well, that's what I think. So I don't know. I, I went out and bought one of the home test kits, which just by the way it's carried out, I agree with you. I don't think it's reliable. And they warn you, there's a lot of false negatives. Yes. So, yes, it came with the little Q-tip that I shoved up my nose and did a little circle with. That's the first time you've done that, right? No, no, no. I had it done, well, it'd be more than two years ago now. Oh. It would be January, February of 2020. I thought I had some intestinal problems, and I thought, you know, I freaked out like most people. Oh, do I have COVID? Oh, it was this John a... that's never been tested. Okay, yeah. so you have. So I went to an actual clinic, and they stuck the stick up my nose, and uh, that was not pleasant. So I don't even know if I did this right. And then you have to put it, you know, on a this sort of little mat that they have that comes with it with the kit. And then you sort of fold it up and you wait 15 minutes. Yep. And then if, right, uh, if it changes, there's a, there's a sample line and then there's a line under it. The line forms, then you, you're probably positive. Mine was nothing. I didn't get a faint line. I didn't get anything. So You didn't get anything? Know. No line, nothing. No, yeah. Okay. So allegedly I'm not infected. But uh, the word is it's supposed to test again. Yes. I don't want to overreact to this, and I don't have symptoms. They say, especially if you don't have symptoms, you should probably test again because, you know, that's something that the test can probably pick up. If you got some kind of symptoms, there's a better chance I can figure out. But it's become so routine. I mean, it's, it's, is it news anymore that anybody known has COVID, like apparently Sharfi Nueva has COVID? I don't think so. I, 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 everybody yeah. has it. I think what's news yeah. is 
if you're really, really, really ill and you go to a hospital. Yeah, which is I also mean, pretty minimal. But exactly. I mean, there's a few hundred people that are hospitalized with serious COVID right now, and there were thousands last summer and yeah. the year before. So it's it's really turned into a relatively mild illness. So it shouldn't. I guess it, it depends on this. If 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 it's somebody you don't like, you go ha ha ha, right? That's what people do. <laughs> ha ha ha! I got COVID. If somebody you do like, you kind of go oh, and then just think oh, that's not so bad. Everybody's getting COVID anyway. Um, I think I saw the positivity numbers for the state yesterday, and it's pretty much about 25 to 30 percent of the population is at some point tested positive. But that might include people who had COVID twice, like producer Ray. So I don't know whether or not that number can be trusted as looking straight at the 40 million people that live here. But anyway, all right. When I come back, there's a lot to talk about, uh, especially the George Gascon recall effort, the L.A. County District Attorney. There's another story today, which we're going to talk about in detail. It's a story every day. Nothing worse, though, than the shooting deaths of two El Monte police officers. That's the story I'll talk about next. There's an update and a new uh, element to that story to get to. Uh, but first, when we return. Your chance to win $1,000. Be listening for the keyword. John and Ken show on KFI. Big story this morning. Apparently it happened about 1.20 in the morning. A big earthquake in eastern Afghanistan, which has killed at least 1,000 people. They're still working their way through the rubble. Um, of course, this is the country that we abandoned last year and left in the hands of the Taliban. Not really covered anymore. Most of the media is pro-administration, so they're not really devoting a lot of time, but I've, there's a lot of economic trouble there, and the Taliban has resorted back to its, uh, I don't know what century ways of, of treating people, especially women, but um, it's a sad thing. So you dreamt of an earthquake? Is I that did. what I heard you say? Yeah, I did. You I, think it coincided with this? I think so. A- I had a premonition. But this Afghanistan's a long way away. I, mean. I know, but still, I woke up to this news and I made myself wake up in the middle of the night because it was going to be a big earthquake. I, I was obviously I was dreaming and it felt like it was going to be one of those huge earthquakes. Everything started moving and I was scared. As you know, I hate earthquakes. And so I made myself wake up. Yeah. And then a few hours later, I look at my phone and I see that there was a big earthquake in Afghanistan. Wow. Uh-huh. Look at that. Yeah, so this is like in the middle of the night? Yes. Wow. Yes. Creeped you out. Do you have many of these? No. I, I I haven't actually worried about earthquakes in a while, but interestingly enough, I think last night, I, I think I said to myself, wow, you haven't really been thinking about earthquakes. And there I had an earthquake dream or a nightmare, not really a dream, but because I, I know, I, I, I know that we're we're due. I mean, we've been saying this for years. It's going to happen. What, a couple of years ago, we had we had two earthquakes in the summer, right, yeah, out in right. Southern California. And, and those were pretty scary. So I, I just know it's a matter of time. And then I think about, I just think about pleasant things that are coming up in my life. And then I sit there and I think, oh, gosh, I, don't, I, hope, I hope it's not one of those devastating earthquakes. And then those things aren't going to come to fruition because I may not be here. I know it's sick. It's a sick thing. I know. Yeah, you really have to just let go of that as much as you I don't imagine it. Dr. Ken, I it haunts be- you 24 hours a day. But it really, when you tell the story on the air, I it know. sounds like this is all you think about. If you can distract yourself with Facebook or something. I try. <laughs> or, or focusing on the news that isn't earthquake news. Earthquakes are pretty common 
in Afghanistan, and they've had some pretty big ones before. I, I imagine, I mean, the homes there, it's not like they have big buildings. It's a lot of villages, and I guess uh, they all turn to rubble and trap people underneath the rubble. Uh, it says it was uh, the shallow depth of 10 kilometers of its epicenter led to higher casualties. Uh, they, uh, apparently, many of the homes are made of mud and other natural materials, particularly vulnerable to earthquake damage. So they also had heavy monsoon rain in the region, which makes things even more difficult when the next thing that happens is the, uh, is the ground shakes. Uh, we move over to the recall of the L.A. County District Attorney. We're going to have a bigger story on the air at 5 o'clock. We'll bring back Kathy Cady. Kathy Cady used to be a deputy DA, but in retirement, she devotes her time to victims of crime. And she's been very busy with George Gascon as DA because a lot of victims of crime or their remaining family members are not getting the right treatment. And uh, the whole criminal justice system under George Gascon has become a disaster. And she'll tell us another new story about a murderer getting light treatment. And what do you know? He went out and he killed a homeless man. That'll come up in the five o'clock hour. Uh, the story this afternoon is going to mention the city council in El Monte. They voted five to zero for no confidence in George Gascon. This makes them, because L.A. County is large, you know, 10 million people, many little towns and cities, the 35th in Los Angeles County to declare no confidence in Gascon's policies. Uh, they particularly pointed out his special directives, which you have heard us talk about many times on this show. Right after he took office in December of 2020, he issued, whether there was 10 or a dozen, I think, directives to take immediate effect with no exceptions. Some of the worst of those included the no enhancements directive. So if you've got a uh, criminal, especially ones with past criminal record, uh, committing a crime with a gun or some gang affiliation under California sentencing laws and uh, prosecution laws, those should be considered enhancements and they could result in significant additional prison time. He wanted to throw those out the window. Basically, what he did was whatever he could figure out to reduce significantly prison time, jail time for these uh, criminals, he took it and put it in the directives. He spent some time on this, which surprised some people who voted for him because they knew he was about criminal justice reform, but they didn't think he was about this much dismantling of the system to put these dangerous people on the streets. And of course, El Monte is right now at the epicenter of a lot of sorrow because they lost the two police officers just over a week ago, uh, Michael Paredes and Joseph Santana. I think they're scheduled to be memorialized at a big event on June 30th in Ontario. I saw today there was a procession to move their bodies uh, from the mortuary to like a funeral home where about the next week or so they can prepare to, uh, to have the whole uh, memorial service for the both of them. But um, this town, El Monte, was hit hard by these deaths. And besides the one story the El Segundo Times did on how Gascon gave this guy light treatment because the killer, Justin Flores, in case you don't know by now, a story we've been talking about for well over a week, was a felon with a strike on his record under California's three strikes law. And he was found in possession of a gun back in 2020 
by the time the whole thing came around in early 2021, Gascon is DA, and there's a plea deal, which gives him just 20 days, it was already time served, and probation. And he went out and he didn't change him. I'm looking at one of his mugshots with the tattoos all over his face and the squint of evil in his eyes. And uh, he apparently was not getting along with his uh, wife, estranged wife, separated wife, who was living at a hotel in El Monte. And apparently somebody, whether it was her or a relative, called 911 to report that he may have stabbed her or otherwise was abusing her. And these two police officers went there to check it out. And he hid in the bathroom and... Came right out firing, shot them both in the head. They both died in the hotel room or on the way to the hospital. And then Flores went into the parking lot and continued shooting. And then they say killed himself in the parking lot. But this is just another reason to oust this guy. You're seeing it. I mean, especially in communities that are affected by Gascon's policies, it sometimes wakes up the local government to say, you're right. This isn't right. He's decided to release as many prisoners as he can and any criminals arrested to go as light as he can on them because he does not believe in prisoner jail. He actually tries to make the argument that this only makes them worse and they will be at an even higher level of recidivism after they serve their terms. But the problem is they're not, they're not fixed just because he releases them, right? This guy got a light sentence, still carrying a gun around. No reform, nothing dangerous person on the streets. So Kathy Katie will be our guest in the five o'clock hour to talk about this new case involving Gascon's policies when it comes to juveniles. All right, when we come back, we'll be talking to Carl DeMaio from Reform California. They're collecting signatures for a ballot measure. If you're a taxpayer, you want to hear about it. It's coming up next on the John and Ken Show here on KFI. After three o'clock where this never ends, there is another case of a sexually abusing priest. This one's dead. It comes out of Orange County, but it's a big lawsuit. And uh, it also involves how they actually named something on the campus after this uh, abusive priest. We'll talk to an attorney for the man that's making this claim after the news at 3 o'clock. The uh, Moist Line, Moist Week, is coming back on Friday, just a couple of days away. Leave your messages on the iHeartRadio app with the talkback feature. It's a little microphone and... If you've been listening to the Moist Line calls for the last couple of months, more and more people are using that method. Or call the toll-free number, just like always, 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. We're going to bring on Carl DeMaio now from uh, Reform California. He's the chairman, also a talk show host on Kogo Radio down in San Diego. For the latest uh, measure they're trying to get on the state ballot, the California Taxpayer protection act and they're working hard at gathering enough signatures by a deadline of late next month so let's see if we can't uh, find out what's in it and support it carl how are you hey how you doing today good how are you so tell people about this uh, ballot measure yeah you know as we fought the gas tax increase in 2018 and other tax hikes like last uh, uh cycle they had prop 15 uh, a big property tax to overturn portions of the 1978 Prop 13 initiative. Every time a tax increase appears on the ballot, the politicians basically disguise the fact that it's a tax hike. They, they, they are the ones that write the title and the summary of every ballot measure. And what they have found out that they've been able to do is literally lie, confuse, obfuscate uh, each of these ballot measures. And so they hide the tax increases on the ballot. 
the first thing that this initiative does, the California Taxpayer Protection Act, is it requires that the words tax increase be in the title and summary uh, of <laughs> every ballot story. measure that has a tax increase in it. And, and, right. and so uh, what this is designed to do is give us a fighting chance uh, to, to educate the voters as to what these uh, tax hikes are, really are and where they're located on the yeah, ballot. They like to use the words <laughs> revenue enhancement or something like that, right, instead of taxes. Oh, I would eat. I would even be willing, you know, to see something like that. Uh, that that's at least better than what they've done in the past. They've literally, uh, you know, disca- disguised uh, property tax hikes as um, a, a modification of assessment of parcel value. I mean, they <laughs> literally contort themselves. They can't seem to use the term tax hike or tax increase. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it bans the use of the term fee to describe a tax uh, in order to get around uh, tax reform requirements because politicians have used fees on your water bill, on your utility bill, on other bills to try to uh, disguise what a tax is. We want to make sure that anything that is a tax is treated as a tax. And then third, uh, it restores the two-thirds vote requirement for all tax hikes and mandates that every tax enacted by the state legislature would have to be put on the ballot for a public vote, no matter how many votes um, the tax might get in the state legislature. Now, the reason why this provision here is important is there's a a Supreme Court, California Supreme Court case called Upland, and Upland overturned the two-thirds vote requirement. Uh, The liberal judges basically waved a magic wand and got around Prop 13's requirements for uh, tax measures that are put on the ballot by citizens. Well, you and I both know that no citizen groups actually fund those campaigns. It's, it's government interests that do it. So we're going to restore the two-thirds required vote. But it also would have prevented the gas tax in 2018 because uh, even if the legislature has the two-thirds votes to impose a car tax or a gas tax, which is what they did in 2017 – Um, This would require that that would still be placed on the ballot and not be levied on people unless the voters approved it also by a two-thirds vote. So this is a big deal. In fact, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association and Reform California both agree that this ballot measure is the most consequential tax protection measure since 1978, the original Prop 13. Yeah, and I think what they've been trying to do with the local tax hikes is to drop it down to like a 55% vote. Is that what they've been doing in a lot of uh, jurisdictions? Yes, not only a 55% vote, um, but and those would be for parcel taxes, but they've been getting it through on a 50% vote by using this scam uh, that says that Prop 13 and Prop 218 really only apply to when politicians place measures on the ballot. But if a little citizens group collects signatures and puts a massive tax on the ballot, well, then that should just be a 50% vote. Well, (laughs) you know what happens. The special interests that will get the money from government, like the the unions, the labor unions, or the big uh, contractors, those groups basically fund a signature gathering effort, and then they lower the threshold to 50%. So the reason why Howard Jarvis and others 40 years ago, fought for the two-thirds vote requirement is because politicians always are going to have the the advantage. And so we need to give taxpayers a fighting chance to stop a tax hike uh, by requiring a two-thirds vote. And that's what our measure will restore in the state of California.
So I'm desperate. Uh, we, we have no money to uh, pay for signatures. We have 1.1 million signatures. All we need are 300,000 by July 15th. And here's what I'll do. I will pay to mail the petition to anyone who would like it. To get the petition mailed to you, all you have to do is sign up at opposetaxhikes.com. That's opposetaxhikes.com, opposetaxhikes.com. All right, that sounds simple. Oh, before I let you go, I want to ask you one question because I know you also follow this. Uh, up here, and obviously, we had the June 7th primary, and yep. you probably noticed they're still counting votes because of all the mail ins. Why do you think yep. they all go towards the progressive liberal candidates the, up in LA here? The mayor's race, it was the, <laughs> on, on election night for a couple of days after. Rick Caruso was leading. He's the Republican or the Democratic candidate, but the uh, moderate one. And the uh, liberal uh, congresswoman, Karen Bass, was a bit behind. And now she's like pulled way ahead. Why is it that all of the late mail-in ballots that are still being counted always swing in that direction? Any theory? Well, well, here's the thing. Um, it's only happening in L.A. that way. In this election, conservative voters waited till the end because they want to walk their ballot in. They don't want to go and use the mail system and whatnot. So what we're seeing across the state of California is that center-right candidates, conservative Democrats or conservative uh, Republicans, are gaining ground in every place in the state of California as these extra ballots are counted, except for one place, Los Angeles. And so uh, I can tell you this right now. I think that the L.A. Registrar of Voters Office is the worst-run election office in the state of california and that my friend is saying a lot given the competition all right carl thanks for coming on i appreciate it thank you all right opposetaxhikes.com if you want to get the petition mailed to you for the california taxpayer protection act they need hundreds of thousands of more signatures by a deadline of late next month but as carl said they will mail the petition to you they'll spend the money on the stamp and get it out to you. And this deals with important measures like trying to rein in all the tax hikes we see from the legislature and even your local towns and cities. That's uh, opposetaxhikes.com. We got more coming up on the John and Ken Show here on KFI. In Orange County in Anaheim, there is an all-boys Catholic high school called Servite. And on the campus of Servite, Completed in 2017, there's a state-of-the-art aquatic center named after Father Kevin Fitzpatrick. Is this nothing more than another priest child molester? He was the school's swimming and water polo coach and an algebra and religion teacher. He was there for over 20 years. And then everyone said, what happened to Father Fitzpatrick? Where'd he go? Oh, he got transferred? Well, that's a surprise. Well, like many of these stories, sadly, from that time, and hopefully not today, he may have been transferred because they were aware that he was molesting boys. And we're going to talk to an attorney for a now 60-year-old man who says that uh, Father Fitzpatrick indeed molested him. Fitzpatrick is dead. He died in 1997. But as I said, he was at the school from 1970 to 1992 at Servite. And then he was transferred to our Savior Catholic Church in L.A. Archdiocese in 93. Oh, you know, Mahoney's territory and then a church in suburban Portland in 94 oh the very next year and then he died in 97 this is another ugly story we'll talk to the attorney for this man who finally had a reckoning when he was on the campus of the school and he saw the aquatic center and just said that's it 
I got to start talking about this. So we'll get the full rundown coming up after the news at three o'clock. I was just talking to Carl DeMaio, Reform California and the California Taxpayer Protection Act. As he mentioned, opposedtaxhikes.com is where you go to get the petition mailed to you. There's good taxpayer protections in that. Hopefully we can get it on the ballot for November. Probably one of the few things we'll see on the November ballot that John and Ken would give a thumbs up yes to. But I asked him at the end of the interview about this mail-in balloting. Now, he said that uh, the vote count, the late vote count, is actually pretty good in other parts of California. But news came out last night in the Los Angeles mayoral primary. You think about this. On election night, and I guess for the day after, Karen Bass was behind Rick Caruso by five points. I think it was 42 to 37. Now, it's completely flipped. Bass has got 43% of the votes. Caruso has 36. As they continue to issue these updates on the count of the mail-in ballots. And by the way, that's really what everybody's doing. I think it's upwards of 80% of the vote now people are doing mail-in. I don't have a big problem with that, but I just want to know what goes on with this. Why would such a high percentage of you know late voters they dropped it off at the ballot place on election day or they stuck it in one of those special collection boxes or they stuck it in the mail and why would they all just be voting for bass why is that isn't that a little weird and a little suspicious because it makes you think right away someone's stuffing the ballots in there maybe they harvested them and collected them uh the day of the election they ran around and just asked people what you got to vote by mail you didn't vote all right let's talk about that right and they i i have no proof of this I don't know, but this is indeed incredibly suspicious because normally when you have vote that's still being counted, it sort of follows the pattern of the votes that are already in. The people have voted by mail already and the people have voted on election day. It doesn't really switch by this much. And of course, the El Segundo Times called on all their election experts who said, oh, these are late deciders. All of a sudden, it really just comes down now to the two of them, right? Uh, the two of them being Karen Bass and Rick Caruso, and they just decided to head towards Bass. Same thing's going on with a couple of city council seats. One Bill Gil Cedillo appears to be out of a job on the L.A. City Council. Not that I'm not happy about that, but he is trailing a community activist. What's happening in several city council races, also Mitchell Farrell, is losing out to a labor organizer. They're both picking up tons of votes in these late mail-in ballot counts. I just think that something doesn't smell right, and I wish somebody would take a closer look at this, because why is it that the same group of people voting for the same candidates all were late? I don't use the word late, because allegedly it has to be postmarked by midnight june 7th which was primary day but why all of them i mean there's, it's like just completely downhill uh same thing with uh, the sheriff's race um that tightened up from the day of the election sheriff Villanueva is still leading his prime opponent and they'll have a runoff in the fall and of course bass and caruso will have a runoff in the fall but it's going to be tough for Rick Caruso because if she's already beating him and you got to figure if people turn out that voted for some of the other candidates like that loser Kevin DeLeon, then they might split in her direction, which would be tough news 
for Rick Caruso, because as I said, this is one of the last hopes for the city of L.A. Apparently, Mike Bonin was doing a celebration dance in an El Segundo Times article over the weekend that, uh, oh, it was a strong left progressive turnout in the city of L.A. And that's because these mail-in ballots, which are still being tabulated, they're now calling it election month. They have until sometime in July to certify the election. So they're just sitting there going through these ballots, which I don't know. It's more than two weeks. How long does it take a ballot to get from a mailbox that somebody dropped it in, say, the night of June 7th to the registrar's office where it wasn't a big turnout? They're not that busy. Why is it still two weeks? They're still going through these ballots? Well, we're being very careful. We're doing signature matching. Uh, Yeah, I want to see how many rejected ballots there are versus, say, uh, the George Gascon recall effort when they turn in those petitions. All right, coming up next, well, evil never really goes away, does it? We have another lawsuit against the uh, Catholic diocese. This is the claim of a now 60-year-old man that he was uh, molested back in the 70s and for an even longer period of that or even into 1980 by a priest at a school, an all-boys high school in Anaheim, Catholic school. Johnny Kenshow, KFI AM640, and Deborah Mark has uh, the news from the KFI 24-Hour News Center. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. When it comes to a thriving career, everyone could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. At LHH, we're committed to personalized support, insights, and resources that lead to more job opportunities. No matter what role a professional has in your organization, our services offer an experience that fits each individual. And for organizations, LHH provides consultative support and guidance through the entire outplacement or career transition process. It's outplacement reimagined. Visit LHHtalent.com today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. 
Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.